This parody about a relationship during the pandemic is pretty funny, but for those struggling with fractured marriages, it's no laughing matter. Now, as many are forced into isolation with that spouse, it's prompting some tough decisions. The little things that maybe usually you can put aside that don't bother you as much right now are being blown up. Definitely in the last three to four weeks, I have received more inquiries, both of an urgent nature and uh, just general inquiries about the process of separation and divorce. According to Statistics Canada, about 40% of marriages end in a separation or divorce. The average duration of a marriage, 14 years. But will the pandemic prompt people to exit faster? Cases of domestic violence have increased and more people are having affairs? People, yeah, are going either outside the house to seek relationships and in a lot of ways actually putting their partners at risk because most often the partners aren't aware that this is actually happening. For those who feel trapped and are waiting to leave. I'm quite busy right now helping people outside of court, figuring out parenting arrangements, child support, spousal support, and uh, property and asset division. And you don't need the courts to do that. You just need the courts to eventually get your divorce. Confinement combined with financial stress will undoubtedly push some marriages to a breaking point. How many will surely depend on the duration of this pandemic. The pandemic of broken hearts and fixing them. Well, welcome back to the Rob Manish Show live on Patriot.tv. It's Whistleblower Wednesday, and we all know how much our world has changed in the last several years. COVID, the vaccine, states shutting down, losing jobs, our, our rights being taken away, our constitution is being eroded, millions of migrants and illegal aliens coming in and the very fabric of our society being attacked and changed before our very eyes by globalist and nefarious politicians. It's pretty much all the news, podcasts, radio shows, uh, and everything else, especially in the legacy media, have focused on. And we're at one of the most treacherous times in our history. We're standing at the precipice. And which way will our country go? The entire world? Where our lives go? And what has it cost us personally having these shutdowns, lost jobs, two partners or spouses working from home, kids at home being homeschooled, and many other added burdens to our lives? Truly speaking, what really is most important to the majority of us, the people at this time, that has been a lost in a tsunami of negative headlines, hasn't it? It's our personal relationships. Well, many marriages have crumbled as a lot of partners and marriages took different perspectives on politics, finances, the vaccine, and other things. And as you saw there, the divorce rate skyrocketed. And for those that are still together, there's been some estrangement. And they want to know how to bring the love and closeness they want shared back. And that's why this show on Valentine's Day is dedicated to my wife, Candy, the love of my life on our 25th Valentine's Day together and our 25th anniversary is coming up. And my guest today on this Valentine's Day is all about mending broken hearts and repairing relationships and even better, preventing them in the first place. Uh, Joanna, Joanna Harabedian is the author of the book, Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel Good Men and How to Reverse Them. <laughs> She's also an international speaker and a minister, a TV producer and, and host. 
a relationship coach, and a three-time national pageant title holder, including Miss Ms. America. Joanna, welcome to the Rob Manus Show. It's good to have you. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you, Rob. Day. It's cool. Thank you. Happy Valentine's and also happy anniversary. Thank you for having me today. I'm, I'm honored to be here. I'm excited about our show today. Well, thank you. Uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate you being with us, especially today, because your book, uh, the cover has hearts on it. I mean, it's just a perfect subject uh, for that. But but our videos are going to uh, uh, look at what we saw and what we are seeing. And, and the first subject I wanted to talk to you about in the context of what you wrote in the book is, is this divorce rate. Uh, and uh, what are the main skills when you're talking to somebody uh, that you emphasize in relationships, especially a marriage relationship, or better yet, preparing for a marriage relationship so it doesn't end in divorce, which I think is, is incredibly important. It is very important, and it really is a key foundation stone. In Chapter 1, I talk about the Witham Syndrome, what's in it for me. And this was one of the keystones that actually got me in trouble uh, the first time around when I married Mr. Wrong. We'll go cliche, but I married Mr. Wrong the first time around. And the second day after we were married, he said, I don't love you. And that was the beginning of hell. So I found myself broken uh, after the divorce. I felt my dreams were shattered and I cried out in one of those girl ugly cry moments on the floor. And I said, God, how did I end up in this mess? How did I attract a broken man like this who did all these terrible things? And how, why did I marry him? Hold up a spiritual mirror to my face. And God did. I gave God permission to hold up that spiritual mirror. And this is what he revealed to me. I had the Witham syndrome, what's in it for me. And what that looked like at that time was I was looking for my happily ever after that was going to magically happen. And it was about what, you know, Mr. Wrong was going to do for me in the marriage. He was going to cater to my needs and help my ministry blossom and do this for me and do that for me. That was the attitude of my heart. And, you know, how many times have we heard a woman say, I just want a man to take care of me. And so that with a mindset is what we have to begin to become into aware of an awareness of, you know, right now in our, in our culture, it's really focused on that. It's all about what somebody else can do for you. It's an entitlement mentality and it's not a mentality that serves each other. There's a big difference there. And so you're going to attract that or bring that into a, a relationship with a, a good spouse, potential spouse and then it'll go sour down the road because that core key, keystone has not been addressed and it's from a selfish mindset. So that that's really number one. Um, I think that every couple, you know, single or married, you're, you're looking for a spouse or you're engaged, you've got to, you've got to explore that and within yourself and ask God to reveal that within you. Now, is there a, uh, is there a positive side to the, what's in it for me, uh, think line of thinking. Uh, uh, I mean, honestly, I can't think of one. Uh, but when I read the title of the chapter, I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes perfect sense. But, but is there a positive side? Can you use it for a positive? I guess is my question. You can. Yes. And I, I talk about that in the chapter. There is a healthy with them. 
that has healthy boundaries. You know, you, you need a, a, a healthy WIFM when you're doing business, you know, and but then there's the, the negative side and the healthy WIFM is has the mutual benefit mindset. How can I serve this person? How can we make it mutually beneficial? And that's healthy. We we have to have that in business. We have to have that, you know, in life and what we're doing. But that this is the unhealthy side of that, where it's it's a selfish mindset where the expectation is that everyone's going to cater to your needs and you're doing all the taking and someone else is doing all the serving. And that that's the unhealthy one. Yeah. Uh so uh, the video I showed at the beginning about divorce was from early, I think it was from March of 2020. So very early in the pandemic process. Uh, uh, and I was doing some research for the show uh, and it looks like uh, some outlets are reporting that divorces are way down in the United States, especially amongst uh, Gen Z. Uh, but other outlets are still saying no. Uh, you have a 60% chance of ending in divorce these days, uh, uh, really, no matter what age you are when you get married. Uh, what's the truth there? You know, there, there's a medium there. It, I would say with the trauma that we have all been through for these last few years, like you said in the beginning, you know, we've experienced job loss. We've experienced the loss of our friends. We've experienced the loss of family members. And there's been tremendous financial stress and strain. And so those things have added and compiled to the increase of the divorce rate. Now, one of the statistics that I, I read showed that one out of four people is currently lonely. So one out of four is currently lonely. And so in inside of us, we do have that innate desire to have a partner. We were designed that way. We, we want to have a healthy relationship. We want to have a reconnection with our spouse. We want to attract the, the right person and have a good, healthy relationship. But there's some layers that we have to go through and unpack and so that we can get to that place and overcome, you know, a lot of this trauma so we can get back to the core fabric of our society, which is our heart. And I don't, I, I'm so happy you're doing this show today because, you know, so many shows in the media, they're focused on all these things that are happening, all the bad things. And yes, we have to be aware, but, you know, if we have a broken heart America, how are we going to be healthy? And if we have broken families, that's that's the you know the the core fabric of our country so we have to get back now and create awareness of how do we get back to a healthy family how do we get back to a healthy dynamic how do we bring hope back that there is hope for a happily ever after and making sure it stays that way and coming out of this trauma and so in sevenmistakesbook.com this is what i address these core principles that'll help a family help a couple whether you're married or single understand those core basics of communication that's key learning how to communicate learning how to reaffirm and value each other yeah one of the things that i'm concerned about uh with uh what has happened with relationships is that is that our entire society now is maybe headed down a path that that government policies took the black american family down uh, starting in the late 1950s and when you look at the data today and crime rates and the demographics and all that, 
you see uh, uh, fatherless families very, very often in the black family. Uh, poverty rates are through the roof. Uh, still, unemployment is through the roof. Education levels are low uh, because the kids don't get to grow up in two-parent homes uh, and those kind of things. Uh, and uh, we have yet to come up with policy solutions uh, to address that failure uh, because we won't acknowledge that that failure was caused by government policy in large part, not all of it, I'm sure. Uh, but what I'm concerned about to tie it back into uh, what we're talking about here today in your book is, is, is all of society's families now headed down the same path. And, and uh, what do you offer in your book to try to uh, stop that, that traveling down that path uh, and maybe offer something up to society to, to help the black American family? get back to where they were in the 1950s, where they had two parent families, they were not in poverty, they were, you know, in the middle class, uh, and those kind of things, because I think it's very important uh, that we stem that flow towards that end state for the rest of our society too, but especially for that community. Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Rob. And here's how I'd like to respond to that. You know, if you look at what's happening in the media right now, if you look at pop, pop culture, you look at the rap music, you look at these different songs that promote fatherlessness, really. It promotes abuse against women. It promotes women being seductive and using their bodies for money, you know, to gain power and control, you know, all this subliminal programming, this predictive programming that's happening. You know, and, and if you look at the Barbie movie, I didn't go see the Barbie movie, but the messaging is the same. It's it's about the men are lifeless and dreary and, and the Barbies don't need a man and they're happy and colorful. Their lives are colorful. You know, so you bring this back to the, the community, it begins to come down to really identity. And I akin it to this. There is a coin and on one side of the coin are men and on the other side of the coin are women. And each is 100% responsible for their side of the coin. And so regardless of what someone else is doing or their behaviors, which we see displaying what you just talked about, we have to start by taking responsibility for our side of the coin. So as a woman, as a female, what am I doing that is contributing to the failure of my relationship? And as a man, he can take a look at what himself, what is he doing that has been contributing to that? What is the inner core of what you believe about yourself? But you see, we can have tragedy happen to us. I've had it happen to me. And we have a choice to make when, when life does not go our way. We have a choice. We can choose to say, okay, how am I going to come out of this? We can bring God into this. And we can say, okay, what do I, how am I going to get out of this? What do I need to change within myself? What can be done different? And, and, and then begin to look for solutions. And so well, yeah, we've got to take our first, we've got to take our first commercial break, Joanna, but uh, I, I want to explore that further on the backside of this break uh, and, and delve into uh, the relationship skills we need to get through grief. I mean, we, we talked about in the opening about suicides and death rates 
a lot of people are experiencing loss. A lot of people are think contemplating the worst, like suicide. Uh, and those skills, I think, uh, uh, are important for us to learn. So we'll be right back uh, with uh, Joanna Harabedian and uh, her book right after this message. The world is about to shift. Banks are going cashless globally with the emergence of central bank digital currency, which will bring with it programmable money and the ability to turn on or off your purchasing power based on your digital social profile. It's like the equivalent of spyware in your bank account. You need to get out of the system with the world's safest and most private assets, silver and gold. Call Kirk Elliott, Ph.D. at 877-547-5743. That's 877-KIRK-PHD. The coronavirus pandemic isn't slowing down. Now the latest CDC report shows higher numbers of people are in mental health crisis and thinking about suicide alongside the pandemic. That sense of hopelessness is, is really showing itself in the communities and it's, it's really sad to see, it's scary. Adam Friedman lost his grandfather to suicide when he was 13 years old. The fact that it was a gun suicide left me with a lot of unanswered questions and deep-rooted feelings that I didn't really understand. I didn't realize until I was a bit older that gun suicide is actually incredibly common in our country, and it's a real epidemic. I'm well over half of all suicide deaths involve a gun, and those numbers skew for particular demographics. You know, if we look at older men, that's getting closer to 75 to 80%. An epidemic that was already growing before the onset of the pandemic. U.S. suicide rates have risen over the last two decades, and CDC numbers show as recent as June, 40% of Americans dealt with mental health or substance abuse. 11% say they seriously considered suicide. It was significantly higher among people 18 to 24 years old, Hispanic respondents, and Black respondents, unpaid caregivers, and essential workers. It's been alarmingly active, uh, seeing the number of suicide attempt cases that are coming through, and then reading the numbers of, of suicide increase across the country. It's, it's very frightening. Psychiatrist Dr. Eric French oversees adult patients at the Medical Center of Aurora just outside Denver. He's seen more patients admitted for overdose and suicide attempts in a way he calls dramatic. One of the biggest concerns that I have is people still not being connected to the level of help that they need. French encourages seeking help with a mental health professional in person, wearing a mask, or through telehealth if someone is feeling in crisis. Meanwhile, advocates like Adam Friedman say it can be as simple as checking in with each other. If you need to talk to someone, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or text HOME to the crisis text line at 741-741. Welcome back to the Rob Mana Show live here on Patriot.tv and all my social media channels. We're talking today with author uh, Joanna Harabedian and about her new book, Seven Mistakes uh, That Women Make That Repel Good Men and How to Fix Them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that opening video there for this segment, Joanna, uh, about suicide rates is uh, su suicide rates are very important to me because I'm a veteran and we have. Uh, the last few years I was in the military as a commander, 
we had a very high suicide rate, especially a young, uh, among our young men uh, that were on active duty. And now I'm a veteran and we have very high suicide rates there. And uh, we work together in our community very, very hard during the pandemic to prevent a further spike of that. But that's how, that's how veterans do it. You know, I mean, we, it, in an emergency or a crisis, we, we buckle down and put our doses to the grindstone, shoulder to the wheel, stand together and all that. And I think we were fairly successful at that because the, even though it's high, the, the existing rate didn't spike on us. But apparently, you know, it did spike for a lot of other folks. And that's one of the things I wanted to get you to talk about that folks can, we could get this on the recording for posterity that people can refer back to is because relationships are critical to uh, preventing suicide, uh, learning how to deal with grief, both uh, as a loss. I mean, a lot of us lost grandparents, aunts, uncles, uh, siblings, children during the pandemic that we probably weren't going to lose. Uh, so the subject of grief, suicide, that loss, all of that uh, has a really tough uh, impact on your personal relationships, especially between a man and a wife uh, when those, those, uh, those tsunami uh, waves of things like grief hit you. And I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the skills that you tell the story about in your book that can help uh, couples uh, or anybody deal with this issue. You know, that, that's a great, it's a big point. And, you know, like my husband lost his dad and he lost his mom. And, and so part of it, I, learning how to love each other, like we talked about before, is learning how to have compassion and understanding. And especially with men, they need to have a safe place to be able to share though their their emotions and their feelings. And you know, right now in our society, there's been this culture of emasculating men, and like we talked about, and so they need a safe place. And so it's really important. And so do women. Women need to have a safe place in in the arms of her husband or a spouse, you know, to be able to be vulnerable and and have that ability to share. And just have someone listen or just have your spouse hold you. And so when we're in that place where we can't do that, when the, when the spouse can't do that, that's where we, we have to be, be able to get back to that. And so one of the things that I share in, in my book, you know, we talked about with them and we also uh, touch on what I call superhero deactivator behaviors which are behaviors that diminish or come across as nitpicking or controlling. And so when your spouse, let's say it's, you know, with my husband, he was, he would have his moments where he needed to just have not talk and he would have a serious look on his face. And one of the mistakes that women tend to do, and I did this in the past was what's wrong. Are you mad? Are you upset? What are you thinking? But he was in that he was in that place where he needed to just be alone in his thoughts. And so in this part of my journey, I'm, I'm in that place where I can give him that. And I let him go into that man cave, you know, and when he did need to talk about his feelings and losing his dad, and because dad was amazing, you know, his mom was amazing, both amazing people. I would just listen. And so it's being able to get to that space where we have compassion, 
we're listening and we're giving our spouse that opportunity to express their grief. We don't have to solve their problem. We don't have to solve that grief because we can't, you know, only God can bring that healing in, but we can be that safe haven for them. You know, what's interesting is the root of every addiction is the need for love. And it's, it's that need for love and also masking that pain. And so when we come, can come into that place and like the video talked about that you just showed, being able to communicate our pain and then have that pain just comforted. That makes, that's huge right there. So can you imagine if, you know, my husband, you know, he's going through grief, he lost his dad, he lost his mom, and I'm not coming from that place of compassion, then I'm then damaging that. And if, and, and if I don't realize what I'm doing, that's the big thing is we have to become aware of how we're responding, what we're saying to someone who is in that space, who needs that compassion. They have this pain and we, we can't fix that pain, but we can be that soothing blanket to help cover that pain. Yeah. One of the, one of the really neat things I found, uh, in your book is, is, uh, like the, like the, uh, Wiffham syndrome, there's a positive and negative to that, that, that the average person doesn't really realize, I don't think, uh, what's happening and, and you can move in and out of those, uh, and everything. And I, and I think, are you talking about the Kingmaker and the man breaker concept? Uh, uh, when you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, being too focused, or, or not, or speaking when you really should just sit back and listen and those kind of things. Is that where, is that where you're coming from? Uh, because there's a positive side to that too, isn't there? Yeah, there is. So there, there, I would say they're, 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 they're two separate things, but also intertwined. So with the Wiffham syndrome, the focus is the mindset is what somebody's going to do for me what I'm going to get from other people, not what I'm going to give back. So like when I met my husband, my heart attitude was a, a mutual give and take. How can I bless David? How can I bless anyone really and make them feel better for being in my presence? Because in the past, I, I didn't make people feel good. I reject, would reject their compliments and I didn't know how to receive that compliment or I, I wasn't supportive. My, my heart's intention was selfish. And so when I met my husband, I had that different mindset. Now, my chapter about the kingmaker and the manbreaker, you know, there's the, a manbreaker is someone who she diminishes. She always has to be right. And she is maybe publicly shames or privately shames her husband. And I'll give you a, a, a brief example of this. Um, I had a friend, she's no longer here. She's, um, you know, gone, gone on and up to heaven. But in her marriage, she was married for 25 years to her husband. And their marriage was miserable because she had unhealed hurt and rage and unforgiveness and bitterness from her previous marriage where she was treated. Um, mistreated and he, he, she was rejected, but she never dealt with that. So she brought that into this marriage and she would publicly and privately demean her husband. Nothing he did was right. And, and, and she felt justified in her behavior. So, and, and I would witness this and other people would look shocked at her 
And I talk about this in my book because they would, and she thought that she was, oh, they're defending me because I'm telling them what a bad man my husband is. And he was actually a very good man. So this is an example of a woman who was a man breaker. And she came to me one day and she said, you know, he's lying to me and he's never home and he's doing this and he's doing that. Well, what, how do I handle this, Joanna? And I said, well, do you really want the truth? And she said, yes. And I said, are you sure you want the truth? And she said, yes. I said, okay. And so I said, well, you know, have you thought about complimenting him on the things that he does? Have you thought about appreciating when he takes out the trash? Maybe he doesn't put the garbage, the garbage bag back in the, in the trash can, which you ream him for. But what about just saying, thank you for taking out the trash, honey. I really appreciate it. And then putting the trash bag in there yourself. And, and affirming the things that he is doing right. Because see, nothing he was doing was right. So what was happening on his side is he was getting angry and then he would lie because he didn't want to hear it from her. And then he didn't want to be home because he was, you know, nothing he did was right. And all she did was complain about everything that he did. That's, those are man-breaking behaviors. You know, in the, in the, yeah. in the game of chess, yeah. you have the king and you have the queen. And mm -hmm. the queen... Her role in the game of chess, she rules the board. She can knock out any opponent, but her job is to protect the king. And so as women, our job is to be a kingmaker. As men, their job is to be a queenmaker. But when we engage in these man-breaking behaviors that I refer to in my book, this is where we begin to have problems. This is what, you know, you'll see what happens with, with my friend. You know, they're, they're, now that she's gone, guess what's happened? He's blossomed. He does the things she kept henpecking him to do. And she didn't have a nice tone of voice. It was a very snarky tone of voice, the way she would talk to him. It was very demeaning. So those are examples of some man-breaking behaviors versus a king-making behavior that lifts a man up and isn't focused on the whiffum, what you're doing mm -hmm. for me, and I'm not doing anything for you. And there are varying forms of this. You know, it's it's not uh, listening to you. I can, I can understand why, you know, when in the lockdowns, how folks that were didn't recognize those kinds of behaviors uh, uh, could lead to divorce or, or worse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, it's uh, it's very interesting. Well, we've got to take another commercial break, uh, Joanna. But when we come back, uh, uh, the last two videos we've looked at are from early in in, uh, in 2020 uh, in the pandemic and 2021. This, this one's going to be from 2022 and, and cover some health issues. But drug addiction uh, is uh, one of the things I think that has uh, really hurt a lot of marriages and families over uh, this pandemic and was doing it before that, but it seemed to like uh, explode. Uh, and we'll come right back to the Rob Manus Show on Patriot.tv Live. We're talking with author Joanna Harabedian about her book. When I grow up, I want to work for a woke company, like super woke. When I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be hired based on what I look like rather than my skills. I want to be judged by my political beliefs. I want to get promoted based on my chromosomes. When I grow up, I want to be offended by my coworkers and walk around the office on eggshells and have my words policed by HR. Words like grandfather. 
peanut gallery. Long time no see. No can do. When I grow up, I want to be obsessed with emotional safety and do workplace sensitivity training all day long. When I grow up, I want to climb the corporate ladder. Just by following the crowd. I want to be a conformist. I want to weaponize my pronouns. What are pronouns? It's time to grow up and get back to work. Introducing the number one woke-free job board in America, redballoon.work. Twenty twenty two was another big year for health, and once again, the COVID pandemic helped shed some light on systemic issues that are on the forefront of everyone's minds. We could definitely say uh, with confidence that the pandemic is still one of the biggest topics that our readers are interested in. Everybody was still reading about the variants, the waves, and especially now the vaccines. It seems like the pandemic had really brought to the forefront all of the health issues that were exacerbated by the virus. So the opioid epidemic was one and substance use disorder in general was sort of at the forefront of uh, readers' minds. Also, the mental health crisis, obviously the COVID pandemic had a real effect on mental health of people who had to be locked down, but also especially on our youth. Most people know somebody or are somebody that have been affected by these topics. More than 250,000 people have died in the past year from COVID. We're still looking at 300 to 400 deaths a day. Then we're looking at something like the opioid epidemic. In the past year, over 100,000 people have died from opioid overdoses. It's incredibly prevalent in our country and we know it firsthand. We're not just seeing it on the news. And so that's why I think these, these things are really at the top of mind for everybody right now. Every time we ask a health expert, you know, what, what do we think is going to happen next year? They're so hesitant to answer. But one thing that they do mention a lot is the fact that the pandemic can change at the drop of a dime. Just seeing how this virus evolves so quickly, we will definitely be getting more variants. But what health experts are just really afraid of is the big variant that is immune escaping, that renders all of our vaccines useless, and then we're back to square one. So that is the big concern for not just 2023, but I guess years to come. Welcome back to The Rob Manus Show here live at Patriot.tv and all of my social media channels. And uh, this Valentine's Day, we're talking with uh, Joanna Harabedian, uh, the author of a great book that we've been discussing. Uh, and Joanna, you know, that little clip there, I was wrong. It, it, it was published in June of 2023, just less than eight months ago, uh, that clip was. And uh, the striking thing about it was that people were still concerned about uh, about the pandemic, which has been over for quite some time. And, uh, uh, and, and they didn't talk enough about the adverse effects of the vaccines and then the opioid crisis. Uh, they did cover that very well, but, but they really didn't go into how it exploded during this time frame uh, and continues really to explode for various reasons, uh, not, to be, not, not the least of which is the supply line coming from China through the Mexican cartels. But, but you know, uh, drug addiction is something that uh, it hurts relationships between husband and wife, parents and children, brothers and sisters, you know, grandparents, uh, and the family unit, as you so rightly uh, and artfully write about, is the key, really, to successfully uh, fending off things like suicide, divorce, 
uh, 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 those kinds of issues. Uh, and, it, and I think it's really got a lot to do with uh, preventing and, uh, and or interdicting drug addiction too in families when you have a member that's been addicted. Uh, how, do you, how do the things you talk about in your book in relationships between women and men, uh, how can you apply those uh, to this very same issue, like similar to uh, suicide and divorce? That's a great question, Rob. You know, in thinking about that, it, it boils down to what we've been talking about in, in being able to take personal responsibility. So what I mean by that is, you know, when I married Mr. Wrong to begin with, and that was a disaster, I, I had that real moment with my creator. And I asked that him to hold up a mirror to my face and show me, you know, how I got in this mess. Now, did I have to work through my pain? Yes. Did I have to face my pain? Yes, I did. I had to face the trauma that I had experienced in that. And I think that is a huge preventative for, for our families, for our relationships, because if we can take responsibility and be willing and open to look at ourselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to confront our inner pain, wh wherever that comes from, to be able to be willing to go there. And you know what? It takes courage. It takes courage to, to go deeper on the inside, to look inside your heart, to ask your heavenly creator to hold the mirror up to your face and, and show you what's really inside your heart. And I think so many things can be corrected and avoided if we have, if we all be, if we begin to do that, you know, all of uh, so many of these shows, I love how they, they talk about all the things that are happening. But what I love about this show today is we're talking about the relationship, the heart of the matter. And underneath every addiction is the need for love. It's the need to, to receive some kind of validation and, and, and assaging of the pain that we haven't been willing to take a look at. You know, Mr. Wrong that I first married, he was an alcoholic. He had a drinking problem and I would look in his eyes and I would see all the pain that was in there. But the problem was, is he was unwilling to make a choice to deal with that root of the pain. See, this is the thing, what I've seen over the last few years, and I think it's just been exasperated is part of us doesn't want to look at that pain often and so what happens then then you have addiction you have alcoholism you have wh wh whatever that manifests as and so in my book i help you get get to the root i ask thought-provoking questions to make you think i give you space to write it out and does it take work to do that yes it does i made the mistake of thinking that, hey, the happily ever after just happens, it's just magically gonna happen. And it doesn't work that way. Have I had to work on myself? Yes, I have. But I'm here to share that there is hope. And there is, when we do that, when we start to make different choices and we start to examine why we've made those choices to begin with, what got you down that train wreck? that train track of, of, of drugs. What, what happened before that? What trauma happened to you that hadn't been healed that you're now trying to cover up, you know, or why did you have an affair with, with your friend's husband or, or vice versa, right? And so if we look at the, the crux of the divorces, the top three things that cause a divorce are, and they're not in order, it's, it's 
unmet expectations, lack of commitment, mm. and infidelity. So if you look at what's behind infidelity, well, unmet needs, does it make it right? No, but that's the, that's the reality of it. It's unmet needs and it's unmet expectations and poor communication. So when, yeah. if we can't keep a commitment because we can't communicate, then we're going to have all of these other things manifest as a result of that. Yeah. Or like you mentioned with your friend, constantly communicating the wrong message to your yes. new partner, your new husband, uh, in, in her case, uh, based on the baggage that uh, we all bring out. Look, my wife and I are right. on, uh, we, we met Mr. and Miss Wrong. Uh, in our lives, so you know we're uh, we're on our second. We all have, uh, you know. Time around. <laughs> uh, yeah, there. exactly. Uh, uh, unfortunately, most of us have. So, uh, so if you can't recognize that you bring certain things in with you, uh, and and recognize them enough to be able to a share it with yourself, uh, but also share it with your partner when it's appropriate, uh, and, and have the and the partner be able to do the same thing. Uh, then uh, uh, you end up like what you were talking about or uh, the wrong things being said. Uh, and what happens? Uh, how does infidelity work? Usually it's unmet needs. And one of those is saying things that separate you, that put distance between you and your husband or wife. I mean, men do this too. There's got to be a book about, out there about men yes. uh, along these same lines too. Are you working on one or your husband? Oh, I'm husband? working on, yes, I am actually. My, my husband yeah. jokes and he says, yeah. it's going to be called 7,000 mistakes men make that repel good women. <laughs> yeah, yeah but, exactly. Yeah, because no. We make a bunch of them. I, you know, I can't take a compliment. That's one of the things you brought that up uh, and identified that. And I go, well, that's me. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, but you're right about being able to recognize when your husband needs just a moment, you know, to to not necessarily be alone in a room, but to be alone in his head, you know, uh, and take that moment yeah. to uh, uh, to to concentrate on something uh, that's bothering him. Uh, because we we act we behave differently, men and women do. Obviously, uh, there's been a lot written about that. But uh, but yeah, it's it's fascinating. The uh, you kind of mentioned a little bit tangentially uh about culture and uh i want to dive more into this uh in the last segment uh uh where i want to focus solely on the book uh, instead of uh, you know a, a, an issue like suicide or divorce rates and those kind of things but but you know are women uh uh having problems more today because of what i see is uh cultural Marxist attacks on women that is putting men in their sports. That is, that is, uh, uh, you know, doing the equivalent of, of, uh, man face, you know, that's uh, a takeoff of the term blackface, which is a big no, no in our society today. Uh, but they're doing the equivalent of that. Uh, and, and that's gotta be taking its toll on women uh, in their relationships, not just in their marriages, but also their relationships uh, with their friends, their colleagues, and those kind of things. And uh, what do you say to folks that are struggling with that? Uh, I mean, obviously, other than, uh, look, I'm not a pronouns person. If somebody pulls that on me, I say, I'm not going to do that for you. You're a man or you're a woman and you were born that way, and I'm not going to do that for you, and you're not going to force me. Uh, that's the way I handle it, but I'm kind of a brute force kind of military guy, you know, but you're a military uh, guy. 
but uh, but but uh, you know, so that's got to be a challenge in today's society. I've, I put a lot of thought into it because I've thought about this a lot and looked at it. But uh, uh, I don't have a daughter that's in sports right now. You know, uh, uh, my daughter's got two sons, so it doesn't really impact them because women, most women that want to be men, don't go into men's sports and win. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. uh, that's the biggest example of, of what I'm talking about. How, how, do, how should people deal with that, especially if it's impacting their relationships? Well, you know, it, it all boils down to identity. And, you know, when, when you have these men who are in these competing with women, it's, it's, it's degrading to women. It's, it's a mockery of being a female and putting a man in a woman's sport. Well, why would a man want to be in a woman's sport to begin with? But, you know, so as, as a female, then we have to, that's where we have to focus on our, our identity. Forget what the media is telling you, forget those things, what the pop culture is singing about. It, it comes back to basics and I akin it to this. You are created in the image of God. Every single one of us bears the facets of the creator of heaven. And so when we don't believe that anymore, we don't know it, um, that's where trouble starts. That's what happens. So it's, it's about getting back to understanding who you are. You know, um, the definition of a princess is one who is strong and courageous and takes dominion. Well, women are strong and courageous. If you've been through any kind of trauma and men are strong and courageous, if they've been through any kind of trauma, but right now we're talking about the women, you are, that is the definition of a princess. And I address that in chapter two called the beautiful you in seven mistakes book, because see the, the, the media tries to take away our identity, tries to take away how we are created, tries to do that for men, tries to emasculate the men, you know, in awful ways. And so as an individual, we have to recognize that and we have to not come into agreements. It's all about agreement. I can agree with that thought. I can agree with that statement, but it's actually not true. It's a lie. So we have to be able to recognize what lies am I believing about myself that the media, the stereotypes, you know, what's all that programming that's happening. What's that's really not true. That's so well, that, we've got to take our last commercial right break. Now. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Joanna, because we've got to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we're actually going to hear from you in the cold open video because you say some things in that that uh, were interesting to me uh, that we haven't covered yet. Uh, and I want to pull it back to this book and what it all means and why people need to go out and get it. I'm Rob Manus at Patriot.tv Live, and we'll be right back with uh, Joanna Arabedian. What if this happened to you when you're alone? Or what if it happened here? With MedGuard Alert, you're never alone. You can connect with medical professionals anywhere, anytime. And now MedGuard is introducing our exclusive new CareWatch. If you need help quickly, use it from anywhere to contact medical professionals. No cell phone required. The CareWatch is not only a life-saving medical alert device, it's a revolutionary health monitoring system that checks your blood pressure, heart rate, oxygen saturation, 
duration, and much more. And here's the best part. If you have Medicaid, you may qualify to get your care watch for free. The care watch is only available through MedGuard Alert. Call us right now. We have monitoring programs starting as low as a dollar a day. The call is free, activation is free, shipping is free, and no contract is required. Remember, with Medicaid, you may qualify to get your care watch for free. Don't wait. Call us to get your care watch right now. Operators are standing by. Did you know that 50% of the U.S. population is single? Yes, that is right. I'm Joanna Herbedian, author of Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel Good Men and How to Reverse Them. That is the key right there. I wrote this book to help you find Mr. Right, to attract him and keep him. Because I want to equip you with the skills that took me 16 years to learn. I was single for 16 years, so I know the ups and downs. And I wrote this to help you have a successful marriage, a successful relationship, and attract the man of your dreams. So get your book today, Seven Mistakes Women Make That Repel Good Men and How to Reverse It. And share it with your sisters. Share it with your mom. Share it with your aunts and your friends. Because together, we're going to be on that journey of transformation. Welcome back to the Rob Manus Show live on Patriot.tv. And today we are talking with that Wonderful lady right there, Joanna Harabedian, the author of that great book, and we've had a great discussion so far, Joanna. Uh, but uh, uh, one of the things uh, that I liked when I read the chapters of the book was the chapter on competitor, the competitor, because my wife and I, in our, our primary careers, uh, we're both semi-retired working now, uh, or, or highly uh, uh, highly competitive in our fields. And we found that that comes into our marriage too. So we compete with each other. As a matter of fact, she was just walking by to her job that she has now as she was leaving today, walking by my door and saying, Rob, you're supposed to be retired. You're working harder than you did your last day in the air force. And I was the commander of a base with 23,000 people on it. That's, wow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, so how, how do uh, I wanted to dive into the book and focus this last segment primarily on the chapters in the book. We've talked about a few of them, but not all of them. And uh, so I want to give you the chance to talk about it and really tell people you got to get this book. Uh, you know, it's sevenmistakes.com. Is that is that the, the website, I believe, it's the website. Uh, Joanna? Yes. So so let's start with the, the competitor or the one upper. Or is that okay. two different kinds? Well, it's, it's the competitor, AKA also known as the one upper. And so the one upper is a woman who maybe she's always got to have the last say she's a, she needs to be right. And, and she's always competing. And so what happens is, um, you know, especially when you have a type A personality, you know, I had, um, I had in my travels, I had met a woman who was massively successful and, and, and she was married and her husband, we were on, a, on the plane and I met them. So uh, she was, I was hearing how she was talking with her husband and they were competing back and forth. And she always had to one up him and always had to have the last say. And you could tell that it, it wearied him after a while. I'm sure, you know, banner back and forth is one thing, but when it's this constant, it, you, it's, it brings a stress into the relationship. Now, 
he wasn't telling her how he was feeling because she probably wasn't going to listen or validate his feelings. You know, that was my assumption based on what I know and what I've seen in, in those types of scenarios. And so for this chapter, I help women come into awareness with different exercises, thought provoking questions and, and, and uh, application. Where are we, where are you doing this? And what does that look like for you? And I have different examples of that, but you see what happens then you have this. And so it, it it's yeah. not a peaceful flow. It's stressful. So then what happens for the guy? He's constantly on edge and he has to feel like he has to do something right. And if we take this into the dating situation, let's say, you know, that you're, you're dating someone who's like that. Well, when a woman constantly has to one up the guy and I, I used to be that because when I was little, I was, I was competitive. I, I raced those boys and I beat them and, you know, and I got into fights with boys and, um, and then another boy would have to come and rescue me because the other boy was too big for, you know, to beat me up. But, but I took that, that, that mindset into my relationships. And so not only was I doing it with men, but I was also doing it with other people and not realizing what I was doing. Big keys or little keys unlock big doors and big doors swing on small hinges. So bring this back to the relationship. When a guy and you're dating in the relationship, if, if he can't get a win, if he can't feel like a superhero and, and the woman is constantly one upping him, he needs to feel something is right. And so in the dating world, that's, they have a term for it. It's, you know, it's love them and leave them. And that's what happens. So he'll get her into bed. And then boom, she doesn't hear anything from him after that. And then she's clueless as to what happened. And she might think, oh yeah, well, I got him, I got some. Well, here's the bottom end result. She's still alone, she's still single, and she just got used. But she also contributed to that with, in, you know, in terms of treating him not, not very well. And so none of those behaviors are okay and they're not good and it's very unhealthy and it's and and that's both of them are damaged part of their soul is then damaged and so as the one upper you know we have to be able to come into that place where we don't have to have the last word and so we need to get to the root why do you feel you have to have the last word all the time and i used to do that and, and i would have you know, guys tell me, why do you always have to have the last word, Joanna? Why can't you just let that conversation go? And so <laughs> I learned the hard way by learning. It's funny that, because I, I picked this because uh, my wife and I are identical. Uh, we both have to have the last word. How do you handle, how do you handle that <laughs> situation? I mean, we, 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 we've come to peace with it most of the time, but, but the, that was very interesting at the beginning of our lives together. Oh, no doubt. Well, you know, here's an exercise for you and your wife for Valentine's Day. So I challenge you both with this. For the next three days, allow the other to have the last word. And even no matter how much you want to say something, just what I put on your mouth, what I call Holy Spirit duct tape. Just put that invisible duct tape and just seal it let her have the last word and and she needs to let you have the last word so this is like a mutual thing and then talk about how you guys felt and and what you experienced and that that'll be something fun and different for you guys to do that's a great exercise i'll try it with her uh and uh we'll uh i'm sure we'll be happens. successful at it <laughs> so the you know uh, it's okay uh, i'm sorry go ahead 
I was just gonna say, and it's okay. You know, there's no wrong way to do it. If you, because then you might not be what you call successful at it at first, but that's okay. Then do the exercise again. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. You you mentioned that uh, sometimes the 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 man needs to feel like he's he's done something right. Uh, yeah. You know, when I'm doing things uh, around the house or something specifically for my wife. Uh, it hurts my feelings if I don't do it right. You know, I, I hurt my own feelings if I don't do it right. So I strive to that competitiveness comes out of me uh, uh, and the focus on getting the mission done is the way I, I put it. Uh, uh, you know, it actually hurts my own feelings if I don't do it right. So I, I, I strive to do that uh, no matter what she's saying, you know, hey, honey, this is the right way to do this. Uh, and sometimes we have a little disagreement about what the right way to do it is or the right outcome is, but uh, uh, but I think she you know, gets it though. Yeah, that's good. Well, my, my husband and I, you know, he, he'll take out the trash and he doesn't put the trash bag in. And, and, and I talk about this in my book. And so what I do now, and I didn't do this before I, I met him, you know, I used to do the, the opposite, but you know, so when I see that he's taking out the trash, here's how I respond. I say, wow, thanks for taking out the trash, honey. That's awesome. And then I just put the bag in there myself. I don't correct him on, on what he did. So you see, so it's these little things, these little keys that unlock these big doors. But when you have those little affirmations and these little basic things, those are building blocks. And that opens the door for enhanced communication. It opens the door to respark a marriage if, you know, if the marriage has lost that connection. Uh, you know, I had a woman who attended my one of my conferences and, you know, she was going to hand she had the divorce papers set. She couldn't stand her husband anymore. And so she attended the Women Royalty Conference and and then she she began to choose to practice courage, to look at herself, stop blaming her husband for what he did and didn't do. But just look at herself mm -hmm. first. And she came back and a year and a half later, she called me and she said, Joanna, I am more in love with my husband now after this conference and learning what I did from you than I was when I married him. Thank you. And they, that's and she awesome. had a divorce. Yes. Well, that's the best Valentine's day present I could get is hear, hear a story like that, Joanna. Well, we've got about uh, uh, 30 seconds left. Go ahead and tell folks where they can find you uh, and get the book folks. Uh, uh, it, you know, like I said, my wife's anniversary present is going to be one of them is going to be a copy of this book. Uh, because I'm excited about it, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Go ahead. Thank you, Rob. It's sevenmistakesbook.com. So it's sevenmistakesbook.com is where you can find me, and you can order the book. It's also on Amazon, Softback and Kindle. And I look forward to hearing your stories and testimonies. Please make sure to write me after you've read it, and I look forward to hearing the testimonies, just like this woman, you know, who got her marriage completely rekindled and reignited, and there is hope for you. We will, and we look forward to your next book, which will be about the 7,000 mistakes that men make, according <laughs> to what your husband said. So thank you very much. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody, and happy Valentine's Day, Joanna. Uh, we really appreciate you. Get out there and spread the love and help men broken hearts. And let's not get them broken in the first place. Well, tomorrow's Truth Thursday. Uh, we'll have the founder of uh, Defend the Union on. Uh, it's going to be a great show telling a lot of truth about how we fight to defend the United States of America and keep it uh, for what it's supposed to be, according to the founders, and not what uh, some of these crazies are trying to transform it into. 
I'm Rob Manus with Patriot TV Live. We'll see you tomorrow.